Let's pray. Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit to be amongst us, Lord, to be in us. As we celebrate this day, Lord, would your truth be in our ears, but even more would it be on our hearts. That we may know, Lord, that it is not our faithfulness that declares us righteous, Lord, but that it is your faithfulness to us. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So when I was a younger man, and as you'll soon come to find out in this story, a more foolish man, uh, I worked at Camp St. Christopher out on Seabrook Island, just south of Charleston. Uh, if you've been out there, um, you sort of have the picture. It's a beautiful beach, but it's not a beach that opens up maybe as you would expect uh, on vacation with big waves and wide, wide open ocean behind it. It's, it's the mouth of a river, so it's a sandy beach, but there are no waves. You just have the river. Um, coming in and out. And across the way is this island, Botany, famous for very little except for the goats. <laughs> and so when I was on staff at camp, you know, we'd, we'd have to find ways of uh, staying in shape and making sure that we can keep up with these kids that come in and out week in and week out. And so some of the guys and I challenged each other and we said, we looked at Botany across the way and we said, yeah, why not? Let's see if we can do it. And so we challenged each other to see if we could swim across uh, this wide-open river to Botany on the other side. Now, we knew, more than likely, that it was very foolish and that none of us would actually be able to make it. It has been done before. Those are stories for a different time, not by me. <laughs> but really, what we were doing was seeing how far out into the river we could swim, directly away from shore, before we could we would stop and look and sort of gauge ourselves based on where everybody else was. It's funny, every time we did this, there was always this moment, this moment where something interesting happened. I would always stop and I'd begin treading water and begin to sort of get my bearings and I'd look back. And I was a fairly good swimmer, grew up doing swim team and on boats and in the water and, and all sorts of things. So usually I was towards the front of the pack. So I would take a moment tread water and I would look back and I would see most of the guys behind me. And funny, I would begin to feel good about myself. I begin to think, yeah, you're doing a good job. Well done. Now the reality is I had much further to go, a foolish distance that I, I could not make. But in that moment I felt pretty good about myself and about how far I had come. But then if I were to turn and I were to face botany, and I would look and see how far, indeed, I had to go. All of a sudden, I wouldn't feel quite so good about myself anymore. All of a sudden, reality would sort of sink in. And I'd realize how deep the water is underneath and how much further there really is to go. And I would begin to doubt my own efforts, whether or not I could actually do it. And the truth is, I never did. But notice how the standard that I used determined how I felt in that moment. Now, the reality was the same no matter what. I still had a great distance to go. But depending on where I looked, I either felt good about who I was or I doubted what I could do. We're going to take a look this morning just briefly at um, Luke chapter 18, beginning at the ninth verse, at this parable that Jesus tells of 
the Pharisee and of the tax collector. If you want to open up your Bibles, I encourage you to do so. Uh, the lesson's also printed on your bulletin insert. My hope today is that when we leave, that we will leave as a changed people. That we will see that because Jesus is both our standard of righteousness and the source of our righteousness, that our right standing, our righteousness, is then dependent on his faithfulness to us, not on our faithfulness to him. Now let's break that down. Let's look at it just piece by piece. First, we look and we see that Jesus is the standard of our righteousness. Read with me, if you will, verse 11 of the parable. The tax collector and the Pharisee have entered into the temple, and the Pharisee begins to pray. And standing by himself, he prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. You see, to determine his righteousness, the Pharisee is looking outward. He's looking at the landscape of other men and women of society. He's looking outward and comparing himself against other men and women and other people, and by this standard, he excels. We know the Pharisees were known for their piety. They memorized the book of the law so that they would, um, would know it by heart and that they wouldn't miss a beat in their actions and in the ways that they lived their life. You see, in this moment, the Pharisee is treading water, and he's looking back. And he's comparing how he's doing against everyone else. Now, contrast that with verse 13. The tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. <coughs> standing before God in the temple, the tax collector applies God's standard to determine his righteousness. He's treading water, and he's looking forward. His only defense that he can muster is a plea for mercy. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Notice these two men are employing two very different standards to determine their righteousness. The Pharisee is looking to others while the tax collector is looking to God. In his desire to fulfill the law, the Pharisee has actually forgotten. He's forgotten the purpose of the law. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, a section of scripture that is known as the Shema, which the Pharisee absolutely would have known and absolutely would have had memorized because it is considered a summary of all of the law given to Moses. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. See, the Pharisee had forgotten the purpose of this law which defined his life. That the purpose is that the love of God might be written on our hearts, not just in our actions. 
The purpose of the law is that we might be focused into loving God our creator more and more and more. The purpose of the law is not to create a standard by which we compare ourselves to each other, but instead a method and a vehicle by which we focus our attention on God. So that is the first part, that Jesus is the standard of our righteousness. Now here's the second. When Jesus is the standard of our righteousness, we see that he must also be the source of our righteousness. Again, we turn to the bad example of the Pharisee. In comparing himself against others, he looks to his own actions as the source of his righteousness. Read verse 12. The Pharisee says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. His prayer lasts two sentences, and in those two sentences, he references God once, and he references himself five times. It's clear that the intent of the Pharisee is to justify himself because of his own actions. He's treading water, he's looking back, and he's feeling good. Again, we contrast this with the tax collector, and we see that the intent of the other man is to receive God's justification because of God's mercy. And we see this in his actions. His actions convey his intent. Verse 13, the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Pharisee trusted in himself that he was righteous, while the tax collector trusted in God that God was righteous. See, the tax collector in this moment is treading water, and he's looking forward, and he's feeling bad. He's realizing the length that he has left to go, the standard by which his righteousness is to be determined. And he's realizing in this moment that he has nothing left, that he has no ability to meet that standard. Friends, this is the crucial point of our faith. This is what defines us as the people of God over and against anyone and anything else. It's the reason that we are gathered here in worship this morning as the people of God. It's the reason that we have welcomed Ann Lawson into this family of God. It's because of what happens in this moment. Friends, if you are here in worship this morning as an observer and not as a participant, I pray that you will hear these words. It's because Jesus is both the standard and the source of our righteousness that our right standing is dependent on his faithfulness to us, not on our faithfulness to him. His faithfulness, not ours. You see, the tax collector is right. He is a sinner. And only a divine act of mercy can save him. Now, this does not seem like good news. He is admitting that in this moment he is helpless. And yet, what do we see happen? Verse 14 says, Jesus concludes his parable. I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the Pharisee. 
Notice that in dealing with the tax collector, God remained faithful. He remained faithful, and that is his promise to us. That is his promise that he made way back in the very beginning of this book in Genesis. That is the promise that we see played out over and over and over again throughout the entire Old Testament leading until the birth of Jesus himself. That is the promise of the life of Christ. Jesus says in verse 14, Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Friends, the good news of the gospel is that it isn't up to you and to me to secure our right standing with God. Though we are utterly helpless, God remains utterly faithful. That is the mission of the Son. His perfect life was lived on our behalf. His death willfully, faithfully offered on our behalf. His resurrection victory won on our behalf. Friends, Jesus' life is the standard by which our righteousness is determined, and his death and resurrection are the source by which our righteousness is received. Friends, that is good news. And my prayer for you today, whether a participant this morning or an observer in our worship, my prayer is that you may know the faithfulness of God, that you may know not only that you are a sinner, but that he is faithful to save. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.